This is Grant Smith at the Institute for Research Middle Eastern Policy. We published a new report that I want to go through and kind of take some detours into more details and actually appears on the website, iremep.com. It's called... Israel and its U.S. lobby dealt major blow by China-Saudi-Iran peace initiative. So one of the things that we start off uh, the report looking at is a New York Times article that ran on Thursday just before the big news broke about this China broker peace initiative. And it was yet another report (laughs) about the so-called Abraham Accords, uh, specifically getting into, oh, what would happen or will have to happen in order to get the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which has been holding out, uh, signing one of these deals that basically sacrifices U.S. credibility or what's left of it uh, in regional policy uh, to give away weapons and in some cases territorial land grabs uh, to Arab states that make a diplomatic recognition of Israel, uh, in this case, before any actual real attention is paid to an Israel-Palestine peace deal. Anyway, uh, the interesting thing was the New York Times article was going deep into what the Israel lobby was up to in trying to get Saudi Arabia into an Abraham Accord And it's almost as though the U.S. State Department has been supplanted or replaced by Israel lobbyists who went on a junket to Riyadh in what they thought would be some sort of finalization of the deal. So the New York Times article is really worth going through. Uh, It's called Saudi Arabia Offers Its Price to Normalize Relations with Israel. Uh, And it notes that the Saudi crown prince is seeking a civilian nuclear program and security assurances from President Biden, which they call a steep price for an agreement long sought by Israel. So this really doesn't have anything to do with the United States, and that is proven by who's actually lobbying the Saudis for it. But the article by Michael Crowley, Vivian uh, Nerium, and Patrick Kingsley was put out on March 9 and quickly had to be updated on March 11, 2023, because they were all absolutely blindsided by something far bigger. But the interesting thing is that as the Israel lobby continues to successfully pressure Joe Biden after having successfully pressured uh, Donald Trump uh, to do these deals that exclusively benefit Israel, these normalization deals, um, they are running into problems. They managed to sign one with uh, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Morocco. The Morocco deal involves turning over huge swaths of land to Morocco that are actually contested and having the United States officially recognize those where nobody else actually will. A normalization deal is also, according to the New York Times, or at least their initial view on Thursday, something that Prime, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu wanted to cap a legacy of Israeli security against its arch enemy, Iran, So, you know, going after Iran was one of the key reasons to put or try to put Arab countries into these so-called Abraham Accords. And the interesting thing is that the people who were lobbying 
for this deal were basically Israel lobbyists like Martin Indyk, the Australian who under the Clinton administration suddenly got U.S. citizenship and became ambassador, U.S. ambassador to Israel. Uh, he later went on to open up a institute at Brookings, the Middle East Institute, the Saban Center funded by Israeli-American Haim Saban who put in something like 11 or 12 million to start it up and uh, start pumping out articles like uh, lock and load, it's time to evade I Iraq. So he's a really interesting character. But he's talking about how Netanyahu really wanted the deal and that it also creates a situation where Biden actually has leverage over Netanyahu. I think that's a little bit doubtful. But the interesting thing is what the Saudis were asking. And so what they want is a civilian nuclear program, not a uh, you know nuclear weapons program like Israel has, uh, having misused atoms for peace infrastructure provided by the United States. And uh, this report over here kind of shows uh, everything that you want to know about that, including Israel's desire to build hydrogen bombs. And it's uh, basically having laboratories that mimic the U.S. national laboratories that produce nuclear weapons. But what the Saudis are interested in are what actually what Iran actually has, which is a civilian nuclear program. And of course, that's not something that <laughs> Israel is going to want to see happen since they know more than anybody else how civilian programs can be converted into nuclear weapons programs. So that was rather interesting. The, also, the other interesting thing was that a delegation of Washington Institute for Near East Policy uh, basically lobbyists went over to Riyadh to negotiate this thing. And that really shows who's driving it. It's not really uh, any sort of U.S. interest to have these Abraham Accords signed that, you know, basically give uh, Israel a greater ability to channel and control Arab investments in the United States and a greater ability to sort of affect their policy and sort of come into their countries and set up organizations and operations that benefit Israel. It doesn't appear that the Saudis are all that interested in becoming more like the United States, where we're absolutely dominated in terms of Congress and the White House by Israel lobbyists. So uh, this delegation headed over and uh, lobbied the Saudi government for this, but didn't appear to have too much success. So why are we talking about this at all? Well, the interesting thing is that literally after talking about sort of these uh, final hurdles to the Saudis signing off on an Abraham Accord, uh, the real news came out, which was that China had successfully brokered a secret uh, peace agreement between Iran and Saudi Arabia, which kind of gutted the whole purpose of even having an Abraham Accord. So the China brokered plan aims to restore diplomatic relations by reopening embassies within two months, while also agreeing to restart uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran <clears throat> 2001 security cooperation agreement. So that was pretty much torched in the aftermath of 9-11. Um, and now they also want to put back on the front burner a 1998 general agreement, which is going to cover increased economic, trade, investment, technology, science, culture, sports, and youth 
ties between Iran and Saudi Arabia. So I think it's really worth reading the entire statement, especially since this is just you know a video and audio podcast. And so anybody who's out and about who maybe hasn't done a deep dive into this can really understand how important this agreement, which was released on the 10th of March, is. It's called the Joint Tri Trilateral Statement by the People's Republic of China, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and the Islamic Republic of Iran. And it reads, The following is a full text of a joint statement released by the People's Republic of China, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and the Islamic Republic of Iran on Friday. Joint Trilateral Statement. In response to the noble initiative of His Excellency, President Xi Jinping, President of the People's Republic of China, of China's support for developing good neighborly relations between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran, semicolon, and based on the agreement between His Excellency, President Xi Jinping, and the leaderships of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran, whereby the People's Republic of China would host and sponsor talks between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran. Proceeding from their shared desire to resolve the disagreements between them through dialogue and diplomacy, and in light of their brotherly ties, adhering to the principles and objectives of the Charters of the United Nations and the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, OIC, and International Conventions and Norms, the delegations from the two countries held talks on 6 through 10 March 2023 in Beijing. The delegation of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, headed by His Excellency Dr. Musad bin Mohammed Al-Aiban, Minister of State, member of the Council of Ministers, and National Security Advisor, and the delegation of the Islamic Republic of Iran, headed by His Excellency Admiral Ali Shamkani, Secretary of the Supreme National Security Council of the Islamic Republic of Iran, the Saudi and Iranian sides expressed their appreciation and gratitude to the Republic of Iraq and the Sultanate of Oman for hosting rounds of dialogue that took place between both sides during the years 2021 and 2022. The two sides also expressed their appreciation and gratitude to the leadership and government of the People's Republic of China for hosting and sponsoring the talks and the efforts they placed toward its success. The three countries announced that an agreement has been reached between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the Islamic Republic of Iran that includes an agreement to resume diplomatic relations between them and reopen their embassies and missions within a period not exceeding two months. And the agreement includes their affirmation of the respect for the sovereignty of states and the non-interference in international affairs of states. They also agree that the ministers of foreign affairs of both countries shall meet to implement this, arrange for the return of their ambassadors, and discuss means of enhancing bilateral relations. They also agree to implement the security cooperation agreement between them, which was signed April 17, 2001, and the general agreement for cooperation in the fields of economy, trade, investment, technology, science, culture, sports, and youth, which was signed on May 27, 1998. The three countries expressed their keenness to exert all efforts toward enhancing regional and international peace and security, issued in Beijing, 10 March, 2023. And, of course, it was all signed off by the relevant parties. So this is interesting to the extent that, uh, you know, the vital part of the talks were held in Beijing. I think it's clear that unlike, for example, the negotiations on the JCPOA, 
being held in the United States and Europe, which you know were immediately leaked whenever uh, Israel was interested in meddling and interfering and trying to overturn any sort of deal between the United States, Europe, and Iran over its civilian nuclear program, you know, back when it was uh, being negotiated by the Obama administration. By holding this in Beijing, it seems as though that is not likely to happen. There's not likely to be, you know, leaks. And obviously the New York Times, which does a lot of sort of cover and lobbying for Israel, especially Thomas Friedman. And we did a whole piece on that a while back, How just how he's always, like before the Israeli elections, he was pushing in his articles for the uh, Abraham Accord with Saudi Arabia, indicating that it would really help, you know, propel the Middle East forward. He's, you know, he's basically for his entire career been uh, a lobbyist for Israeli initiatives while trying to you know, exude this sort of veneer of credibility. Well, that's those leaks and that sort of preemption obviously didn't happen at the New York Times this time because they were out of the loop and the uh, negotiations had to take place uh, in secret in order to be successful. And they managed to accomplish that. As it often does, as I mentioned, the New York Times quickly updated its March 9th story in an attempt not to look foolish and out of the loop. Uh, really haven't given too much credence and too many quotes to the Israel lobby to kind of report on this, you know, sort of nearing uh, agreement with Saudi Arabia and Israel in an Abraham Accord. But it was too late. Israel and its lobbyists for decades attempted to steer the United States, to be clear, into attacking Iran. And the neocon policy coup of 2001, where you had Douglas Fyth and Richard Pearl and a bunch of neocon luminaries, Paul Wolfowitz, putting into action a plan that most Americans had little idea about its real goals was not only a plan to get the U.S. to attack Israel's archenemy, Iraq, it was also designed to steer the United States into attacking seven countries in seven years. And so if you check out our report, you know, we've got links to all of this uh, that you can follow up in case you've forgotten all of that. But when the U.S. invasion quickly turned into a quagmire, a couple of American Israel Public Affairs Committee executives, Steve Rosen and Keith Weissman, tried to place stolen classified Department of Defense information, uh, incriminating Iran, basically saying that uh, Iran was involved in all sorts of attacks against U.S. forces who were bogged down in Iraq. They tried to get that into circulation at the Washington Post. Glenn Kessler was on the line, Stephen Rosen, and Colonel Lawrence Franklin, uh, who actually leaked the classified information. And what ultimately happened with that is it, they were stymied. The two APAC executives were dismissed from APAC after an FBI raid on their headquarters, and the Pentagon colonel was prosecuted, although he received a very, very light sentence under his 1917 Espionage Act prosecution. APAC, which, as we uh, have exhaustively chronicled, is an Israeli foreign influence operation, which had its startup funding and direction provided by Israel. Uh, APAC has steadily lobbied against Iran in the United States on behalf of Israel, including punishing economic warfare from the U.S. Treasury 
OTFI, Office of Terrorism and Financial Intelligence Unit, which has been led by absolute uh, 100% hardcore Zionists and including even an Israeli at the Treasury. And it was lobbied basically to receive uh, various uh, findings by Congress, signed off by the president, which would then be turned into economic sanctions and economic warfare activity against Iran and other Israeli targets. And not much has changed at OTFI. But after setting up OTFI, then you had the Trump-era Abraham Accords, which were yet another attempt to isolate Iran and uh, harness Arab countries to what we call the Israel undue foreign influence and war on Iran machinery. So under this scheme, the U.S., sacrifices its, uh, again, its remaining international reputation to compel Arab governments to sign diplomatic and commercial accords with Israel that polls in the region conducted in each uh, country uh, reveal uh, every single major population overwhelmingly reject these accords with Israel. So this is basically asking Arab governments to completely ignore popular will and sign these agreements. And so target governments who sign these accords get access to U.S. weapons. Uh, Those who don't supposedly aren't going to be allowed to buy F-35s and precision munitions and whatever else the uh, Pentagon has on sale. Um, So they get these access to advanced U.S. weapons sort of brokered by the Israel lobby Uh, And then, again, the case of Morocco, they get recognition of illegal land grabs in exchange for normalization. And again, just to go off on a tangent, we have uh, published a report about the total amount of territory that if you kind of put it together and look at what the, again, Israel-centric demands are under the Abraham Accords, as well as Israel's own illegal territorial annexations, the amount of land actually adds up to more than what Russia has annexed in Ukraine. Uh, A lot of people aren't going to like that sort of comparison, but there you have it. It's something like 10 times the amount. Saudi Arabia has always been the toughest prospect for sticking its head into the yoke of an Abraham Accord. The Saudi Initiative, or Arab Peace Initiative, endorsed by the Arab League in 2002, then re-endorsed in 2007 and 2017, was a legitimate path toward a somewhat more just settlement through the creation of a Palestinian state with East Jerusalem as its capital Uh, in exchange for Arab normalization. So most of the countries were not on board for just jumping into bilateral relations with Israel, absent a just settlement of the uh, Israel-Palestine issues. But under constant Israel lobby pressure, there's never been any serious U.S. consideration of the Saudi-led plan. So no wonder they're looking for other opportunities to see peace in the region. Uh, Instead, what we had during the Trump administration were Israel surrogates, Jared Kushner, and former real estate lawyer turned ambassador to Israel, David Freeman, and others of the Trump administration, pushing ahead the so-called deal of the century that offered extremely tenuous promises of economic development to Palestinians in exchange for relinquishing their rights under international law. We did a poll in 
2019 that revealed if placed into a similar circumstance, 68% of Americans would never touch anything like the so-called deal of the century uh, promises of economic development in, ter- in replacement for more land grabs, displacement, and wiping out claims justifiable under international law. And the Palestinians basically rejected that deal as well, and it collapsed. So then we had the Abraham Accords, which then attempted to transcend the Palestine question entirely by making Palestinian claims under international law and the Arab peace plan irrelevant. So it's basically something that started in the Trump administration. But what is really clear is that the new trilateral statement signals the rejection of the Abraham Accords and its yoking uh, Saudi Arabia to Israel and its lobbies, foreign policy, intrigues. Um, It's uh, impossible to see how they're going to sign an Abraham Accord, which has a a major objective, getting uh, an Arab coalition to... Uh, roll back, confront, and fight Iran, buy more weapons, let Israel into their countries for political meddling in their domestic affairs, uh, similar to what happens in the United States. Uh, Saudi Arabia didn't appear to want to become as subjugated to Israeli prerogatives as America and has obviously been learning a great deal on how to avoid that. The new joint trilateral statement really signals rejection of the Abraham Accords and yoking Saudi Arabia to Israel and its lobbies, foreign policy intrigues, uh, letting them come in to domestically meddle the way uh, it happens in the United States. So that, again, instead of sending the State Department to negotiate uh, anything in the American interest, you have groups of Israelis and American citizens representing Israel landing in foreign countries and then having the president um, you know, support those as a major peace initiative, as well as brokering weapons deals. The Saudis apparently were not in favor of that and have obviously learned how to avoid it. So Saudi Arabia skillfully cushioned the bad news by end-running APAC, but still did something very important, which was placating the American military-industrial congressional complex uh, with a very clever announcement that accompanied the uh, trilateral agreements. Uh, they cushioned the bad news by simultaneously agreeing to purchase $35 billion in Boeing passenger jets. Uh, so that's important for two reasons. Number one, uh, it's almost the same amount of military aid that the U.S. has agreed to give Israel free over 10 years under the Obama administration. So it's a significant amount of funds that just happens to be almost as much as Israel is receiving for free. But unlike what happens with Israel, the Saudis are actually going to pay for it. Um, and the other thing is kind of in the, the sort of overall theme of peace. These are passenger jets. So these aren't aerial refueling tankers. They're not bombers. They're not jet fighters. They're not helicopters. These are Boeing passenger jets. So, you know, Boeing is placated. They're going to be in favor of this deal. 
And uh, it's kind of signaling a bit of rejection of stuffing Saudi Arabia with weapons and uh, gearing up for it to participate in some sort of imminent attack on Iran. They've basically signaled with this major purchase that they are serious about peace and they're tired of the gigantic weapons buildup that's been taking place in their region, which is not going to produce peace. It's only going to produce instability, war, displacement, and death. So that's quite interesting. Uh, the other uh, thing uh, to note, though, is the, you know, the amount of money and, and what it's going to produce in the United States is significant. Under the Obama administration uh, memorandum of understanding, which had caps on it, so that uh, it would, uh, you know, be about uh, 3.4, 3.5, you know, close to $4 billion in aid that we know about anyway. The Israelis get enormous amounts of clandestine intelligence aid. But anyway, uh, the Israelis like to brag in particular, Dove Hawk of the Virginia Israel Advisory Board. He goes around Northern Virginia and boasts that he's going to, because of the stipulations of the Memorandum of under, uh, Understanding, they can't take significant portions of the aid and build things in Israel anymore beyond some of their missile defense. Uh, so they can't just uh, build out new systems and do R&D. It has to be spent in the United States, uh, you know, Obviously, it shouldn't have been given at all since it's illegal under the Symington-Glenn amendments of the Arms Export Control Act. But whatever, Dove Hawk of the Virginia Israel Advisory Board, this little mini APAC, which, is, which has been stuffed into the state government of Virginia, his director, its director, Dove Hawk, brags that he's billing, bringing a billion dollars into Virginia and going to dole it out to defense companies, which is pretty laughable because it's not like uh, – it came from Israel. It came from the United States, traveled through Israel's coffer in the form of cash in its account so it can earn interest and then might come back into Virginia, but probably not into the coffers of American companies since Israel through Elbit Systems and other companies that have been subsidized to come into the United States like Orange Safety Glass, get that money and burn it all up before any American company sees it. Anyway, uh, what's undoubtedly from this extremely important move by Saudi Arabia and Iran is that Israel and its lobby will not take this news sitting down, and they still have a lot of levers to pull in the region. They still have a lot of levers to pull in establishment media like the New York Times, even though it's constantly wrong about these sorts of issues. And out of the loop, they have a lot of levers to pull in Congress, the State Department, and the White House. But for now, the Saudi rejection of the Abraham Accords could signal the way out for the United Arab Emirates. UAE, under its sordid Abraham Accord, was supposed to be buying weapons from Israel, but has just halted weapons purchases um, because they're rightfully saying as chaos ensues in Israel with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu uh, appears not to be able to control the government. He appears not to be able to smash the uh, judicial accountability, whatever. You know, not that that applies to everybody for sure, but 
Um, the UAE's prime, or excuse me, the UAE's uh, leadership is saying that uh, they're just not going to be buying. Uh, they're not going to be buying weapons from Israel until they see something less than chaos going on. Um, Saudi Arabia also recently refused to grant visas to an Israeli delegation that wanted to go in to attend a UN tourism conference. So, you know, it's obvious that UAE may be beginning to regret that it signed an Abraham Accord, that they're not seeing the benefits of it, especially uh, with such an unstable, chaotic, and violent partner like Israel. And so, you know, APAC and Israel have really squeezed UAE, and we've done some reporting on that, that there's an extremely sketchy Israeli scheme in Virginia, once again, where they have their mini APAC in government, called Project Jonah, which is a giant fish farm. They expect the UAE to invest $100 million into that. Uh, And the original plan, at least, was that an Israeli company, again, known mostly for killing fish, as I said in other podcasts, uh, gets most of the operating revenue, which can be, you know, over $100 million a year. Anyway, you know, APAC, Israel, the Abraham Accord is geared to getting UAE situated into a war footing with Iran. UAE has already signaled that it's inspired by the Saudi-Iran deal and uh, wishes it the best. And so it may try to disentangle itself from the Israeli undue influence and Palestine justice minimization machine that uh, Israel wants it to sign in the form of an Abraham Accord. I suspect we'll see that uh, as this weapons sales boycott plays out or this weapons purchase boycott plays out. Anyway, check out the report. I think it's... uh, short enough and uh, well done enough to merit a short read. It's Israel and its U.S. lobby dealt major blow by China-Saudi-Iran peace initiative. Thanks a lot.